thank you for coming. I feel like sitting here, I'm a beginner again. Um, in a way, uh, this kind of uh, giving a talk is quite, quite new for me. So, um, to me, it almost feels like a birthing process that uh, I can prepare for it. But when it comes out, I have no idea how it's going to be. And um, uh, connecting to that, uh, um, not knowing, you know, we call this beginner's mind in Zen. Not knowing um, how it's going to come out. Um, and uh, can I open up to that, not knowing? Not knowing how your life is going to unravel for each of us. Whatever that you're going through your life, your practice, you know, you practice so hard, some of us, maybe all of us, we practice in our own ways, right? And um, we get stuck um, with our practice. And uh, we don't know how is it going to unravel from here. Um, delusions can sometimes feel very thick. And, uh, you know, you're just there listening and listening again and again and again um, how that contraction feels in your body, how that mind talks to you that feels uh, painful. And I was thinking of beginner's mind um, (coughs) because what I wanted to talk today um, has been um, kind of response to what has been going on in our sangha and uh, also my own family, which is, um, uh, you know, when we're having conversation about difficult things that pushes our buttons, that triggers our buttons, because it's so deeply rooted in our body, in our mind, and it's very deeply conditioned um, socially and culturally. Collective karma. We've been talking about this. Racism, um, genderism, um, all kind of forms that we diminish ourselves and dominate others. And uh, when we are coming very close to this kind of engagement together, right, because we are um, feel like uh, we've been practicing this, at least for me in, in this center, it feels like we're constantly um, inquiring what's happening, you know, with all these conversations that is very difficult to actually bring up and also um, listen to each other through that process because of the ways that are um, something energetic arousal happens and is real in this body, in this particularity of our bodies. Because each of us, you know, so I was thinking, you know, how precious, you know, each of us. We have uh, such um, differences 
you know, the way we inherit our karma too. It's such, uh, nobody's the same way. And that kind of dynamic play of karmic resonance in all of us, how that's um, affecting, you know, our dharma here. Because we all are the seeds of wisdom, you know, of Buddha nature. And how that um, Buddha nature um, sheds on particular karma in our body and mind. And how that, uh, it's kind of like a music, you know, when that touches that karmic repercussions, right, a collective karmic repercussions, we, we have different ways of expressing ourselves. And how precious that is, you know, how precious life is as we have it right now. And it's hard to um, remember that, you know, to remember how precious this all is, how precious today this rainy day is for April, you know, for plants to um, uh, soak in this, this rain before the summer starts, this moment, you know. Each moment is taking care of something. We forget this. We forget the impermanence of this life, you know. Um, uh, Rumi, who is um, uh, a poet um, that's rooted, he he was rooted in Islamic um, tradition and Sufi um, person. He says, uh, there's a poem that I wanted to share, but I'm not going to share the whole thing. But he talks about how, um, well, maybe I will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, everyone is dying (laughs) and uh, everyone in the world whether man or woman is dying and continually passing through the agony of death regard their words as uh, a father no regard their words as the final injunctions which a father gives his son. In this way, consideration and compassion may grow in your heart, and the root of hatred and jealousy may be cut away. Everything that is coming will come. Consider it to have already arrived. And if selfish motives prevent you from this insight, cast them from your heart. And if you cannot cast them out, don't stand inertly in incapacity. Know that with everyone who feels incapable, there is a goodly incapacitator. Incapacity is a chain laid upon you you must open your eye to behold the one who lays the chain. So don't forget that, you know? 
death has already arrived. Pretend that death has already arrived. You know, and when you can't tune into that sense of uh, mystery, right? the, the miracle of this life, or the wonders of how we're sitting right now and practicing together, then um, inquire, keep inquiring. You know, who is this that says I can't do that? And the topic of this uh, talk I have been thinking is about um, when we come closer together and listening to each other's karma, our karma, and when it's very difficult, you know, what do we do? And how do we know um, when we're confused, you know? How, I've heard this um, in the Sangha conversation. Um, so how much is mine and how much is yours? Right? How much of my karma is here and how much of yours is here? And how do I discern that? So that has been my own question. And that has been a question that I've been <laughs> just over and over and over again with uh, spending time with my husband and my son, you know, um, just listening to that inquiry all the time. Because the family practice is fierce. <laughs> you know? It's like right, right, right away, right? My husband speaks something, and I'm like right away triggered you know, about that washing machine. <laughs> Who's going to order that washing machine? <laughs> um, and um, so what do you do then, you know? And then you're like, okay, I hear that something is triggered right now, you know? And then sometimes, so what, what's the discernment here, you know? What do I say? How do I react? So what's the first thing? And I've been thinking about this to myself. And so um, we all know this, you know? We all know what to do, right? But we forget. That's the thing, you know, is that even though you've been practicing many, many years, something triggers and that can be very deep-rooted and hidden from, from you. And then when that comes up, you know, energetically you are activated, aroused. So when that happens to you, we, I, I would like to encourage all of us to notice, you know, to uh, recognize that energetic arousal is right here. So when we have a conversation among ourselves about these difficult um, topics, you know, that we've been doing for a while, when something happens, can we, when something triggers you, um, before you engage in meeting, right? with another person, can you stop right there and notice that you're energetically aroused? And then, you know, see for yourself, so what is my habitual pattern here? You know, what am I inclined to do right now as a default? Am I um, inclined to speak 
and kind of project right away. Is this my inclination? You know, some of us are like that, you know? Or am I more like cutting off right here, separating myself and withdrawing and just not saying anything, you know? And this kind of thing that happens to all of us, and it depends on your own conditioning, right? Can you really pay attention to that? And if you, uh, this energetic arousal is very intense, you know, and you can kind of feel it in your body. And this is our practice of zazen, is practicing to really be sensitive to um, the, the voice of this um, kind of energetic field of our body. Mind can be very slippery, you know. The mind goes very fast, and uh, it can trick you. We call mind a trickster. So instead, when that comes about, the energetic arousal comes about, can you just allow yourself to just bring it down? You know? Bring it, bring it down to your breath, breathing in and breathing out. Right? How does that feel right now as you do that? And then bring it down to your hara. This is called hara. And even if it's so hard, you can remind yourself to uh, do dharanis. You know, if some of us are very fast here, and if it's really fast, it just energetically keeps going like this, right? So how do you allow that to settle again? Dharani of breath. Dharani is like um, invocation. So can we invoke this uh, rhythm of our breath? Our breath uh, is earth itself. Uh, Our breath attunes our uh, being to the being of this earth and to all beings. So can we allow that synchronize I have a good dharani that we can all uh, remember to do in this moment when our um, (coughs) mind is very activated. I actually did it walking down the street today coming here. (laughs) And it's called um, Mejuku Kanongyo. You know know that one, right? Some of us maybe don't know, but I I recommend, if you haven't heard it, to do it. It's very rhythmic. It goes Mejuku on. what was it? <laughs> right. So it's very rhythmic, and it goes like one, two, three, one, two, three. It just keeps repeating like that. And that kind of repetition, just like breath, it's so grounding. You know, you go right back into this body, into a hara. So if you can do that, that dharani, particular dharani, and shosanyo is nice too, but if you could do that with a hara, Concentration and hara, it's so helpful, to me at least. So I highly recommend that. So then, continuing on to this uh, discernment in collective karmic um, environment, right? Dialogue. So recognizing, so you just recognize that. And you're settling back, settling back down. Allowing it. Next, next phase. So this is, I, I've 
some of us know, it's called rain, the practice of rain. It's so important, I feel, to do this rain practice when it, in, we're in a dialogue. And things can go very fast. To just return to that practice over and over again. Recognize our A, allow, allowing. And I is investigation, and N is non-identifying, rain practice. There's a good book in the library, <laughs> by the way, about rain. So when you go into the phase A, recognize, allow whatever that happened right now to be dead honest with what's happening here. So allowing that to just be as it is. And part of that practice is from here down here. Allowing that to settle into our breath and in our body and really feeling the sensation of that particular emotive condition. How does that feel in your body? Okay, where is it? You know? And then, so that's hard, you know, because a lot of emotions are uh, not very pleasant, especially when we're having difficult conversations. It's just not pleasant. <laughs> you know, you don't want to go through this. It's, it's just too much. And um, so that's where the tolerance comes in, the patience, practice of patience practice of uh, paramitas, we call it. It's a cultivation practice. And one of them is patience. So we are patient here, listening, allowing, staying, breathing, right? Allowing that to come, the hardness to come. I don't want to do this. It's too much. Breathing. Inhale and exhaling again. Ah. Gosh, what was again? Oh, I hate this. <laughs> you know? Oh, I hate that person. Or, you know, oh, I, I, I want to be in control. I just want to know everything. I want to figure things out. I want to straighten my life. Right? All this comes up. Oh, oh no, no. Let's, let's bring it down again. Breathing in, breathing out. And then um, inquiring in the process. So one of the hard things about uh, this kind of confusion in collective karmic conversation is that um, you don't know quite what this is about, you know? Like, I don't know how, exactly how I'm, how I'm feeling right now. I know that energetically I'm aroused, but I'm, I don't know what this is about. And we get confused. You know, is it yours? Is it mine? So admonition is to come back here. You know, to do just do here, to figure out. You know, be clarify what's going on here first. Don't worry about other people. Here, right here. And uh, in that kind of investigation, um, when it's things are very ambiguous, one of the things I have been doing is that. Um, I'm very attuned to how my, the sensation happens in my body. And when energetically, when I'm aroused, 
like with my husband example, I can feel my shoulder blades right here just contract a little bit, you know, just a tiny bit. But in conversation, oh, there, there it is right now. And I can, I can either say something at that moment or, wait, wait, something's here. Can I just breathe with it, you know? And then um, when something you, you really want to uh, inquire further, you can also um, talk to your pain, you know, talk to your bodily pain, and just really concentrate and bring it into focus. So this is what we're doing, you know, with this investigation, is that we have this kind of confusion. It feels like it's a confusion. Something is blocking here, not clear. And we're kind of feeling out, you know, we're really listening, and we're bringing it into focus adjusting little by little. So you, we adjust with our body. Oh, this is what's happening in my body right now. I feel a tightness in my hip. And then asking, inquiring deep inside, so what does that saying to me right now? Maybe I'm saying I'm not enough. You know? And just really listening, 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 so that lens, that, that uh, adjustment is aligned between your body and your mind. And they start to communicate. It's interesting, you know? I, I've done this lately, and I um, uh, discovered a voice that, uh, uh, that said pretty horrible things. And I, I, I thought, wow. You know, to me, I mean, it's not horrible, but this is emotion that I think I want to avoid you know, in my mind. And it came up and like, I'm like, wow, is that what you really want to say, this pain? And it, the pain was like, yes. And, and, every time, <laughs> and every time I would say that, you know, so it was kind of, it was in Japanese actually, because that was the, the mother tongue. So it resonates more with me in my body. So that particular word, it was actually shit <laughs> in Japanese. And I was saying that in Japanese many times, it felt so good to say that, and, and every time I repeated that in my mind, my body would just respond and align itself. And, and it was kind of like tuning, fine-tuning, you know, of mind and body in this way. So, you know, working like that creatively in your own way to make it more uh, clarifying this process of focusing you know, what's going on, not knowing what's going on, and yet listening and listening, and really fine-tuning that, and coming back to it over and over again, even though you can't, you don't know what it is for a long time, to keep coming back to it, right? And I, um, I'm going to share a friend of mine. Um, I, I was so inspired what she said um, about how... Uh, um, friend is working, this friend is working with um, ambiguous, ambiguous grief. So, um, so she was uh, um, uh, born in another country, and then she's been um, orphaned to uh, USA. And um, because uh, this was done so um, long ago, um, she can't access to uh, before 
that happened. You know, that memory. And I believe it was like, like one year old. And so what she did was to come up with this being, um, the name, you know. She gave a name <clears throat> to this being that she doesn't quite know. And um, she started having conversations and relationship with this being. And um, when I heard that, you know, I felt like, you know, amazing. The way that we work with uh, this kind of um, ambiguity, you know, this actually calling that happens to us, that keeps us in con connection with life, you know, our life, our grief, our death. So in any way that uh, you are called to do, you know, um, dancing, um, creating art, um, you know, listening to music, creating music, attuning this, a body and mind, the conversation. It's helpful. And then the final phase is N, rain, so N, and that's non-identifying. And uh, that kind of happens naturally, you know, kind of magic. That's the magic of it. Because um, when you really are able to listen to the, this whole process of, of adjusting and aligning body and mind, energetic uh, contraction um, has a way of releasing on its own. So it kind of happens on its own. And can we um, honor, you know, can we honor this process, how long it may take? Because it's not an um, easy process, you know? And you may never be able to figure it out, you know? But how can we have a uh, kind of persistence, you know? Can we listen deeply to what calls us here? You know, what calls us to life? Can we listen to that? And keep coming back. Keep coming back. And in this process, um, what feels important to me is that this work, right? This RAIN work that I just uh, shared with you, this can be um, effortful, you know? Um, can be tiring exhausting, depleting, you know? When you are bombarded with pain, feeling pain here, exploring that. And you can really get stuck here. And you can overwork. So give yourself a break. Um, so this is um, something that I've been thinking about. It's like, it's like a breath, you know? Take a breath. Um, and when you, when you uh, work in this way, listening and listening, it's kind of like exhalation, you know, releasing. Listening, contracting, listening, contracting in the body. And then finally there may be a release, but maybe not. But then don't forget to inhale again. 
you know, don't forget to inhale the spring. And, you know, although um, spring might feel brutal at sometimes. Teaching is really good, you know. The Buddha teaching is so good. There's so many things, jewels in here. And I, I feel like I, I want to say this, I want to say this. So everything is so beautiful. So um, I'll just uh, uh, maybe um, say one more thing about um, our vow. So when you get this, you know, this is a commitment to this practice of um, non-harming, all of us non-harming. And we say, um, there's a chant that we do. I mean, some of you might have seen us do this when we uh, have this on top of our head before we wear it in the hallway. And we go, Dai zai gedapuku muso fukudene hibu nyorai kyo kodo shoshujo. And uh, these two letters have been calling me lately. I have this um, writing in Japanese in my bathroom. I've had it for a year, hung up there. But these two particular characters, Chinese characters, have been calling me. And it, the, the part is hibu um, nyoraikyo, the third one. In English, it means wearing Tathagata's teachings. Hibu, maybe uh, how they translate it is wearing. But when I look up these characters, he means to unfold. So this whole rain practice, right? Unfolding the teaching, unfolding and entering the Dharma gates, each of us in our own particular way, unfolding it. And bu means, hibu um, nirakyo, bu means um, dedicate ourselves or to give away, you know? So in this unfolding practice, something that we clung to ourselves here, this self, this particular me, but in a way that we're controlling it and we're making this construct up, you know? The way that we're separating from other others, you know? That seems to fall fall away, you know, it seems to just collapse through this ring practice. Miraculously, it releases. And then, and then something opens up within ourselves, that the blockage is gone, and now there is this bridge, you know, the bridges to the world. This uh, uh, clear communication, attunement with others, other beings, you know? We feel other people, you know? We, we don't have this separation when we're talking to other people. <coughs> so um, it's quite beautiful, isn't it? Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. 
For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.